Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the low, welcome to you, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Jared Smith. It's going to be a very wide-ranging conversation for those that might be a little bit newer to betting on baseball since the NBA and NHL seasons just wrapped up. We're going to give you guys a few pointers there. We're also going to be talking about trying to balance just looking at the raw numbers overall for the season versus gauging teams that are on either hot and cold streaks. He's going to be talking about yes run first inning, no run first inning, what he's been seeing on that market end. We're going to dive into a few games for Saturday as well. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaden underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters yeah. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but have a little bit of cleanup from those Thursday games. And we had a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Washington Nationals were able to get it done on Thursday against the Astros by a count of 4-1 to one as... They were able to come up with three runs in the 10th inning as it was not the night for Phil Maton, who gave up three runs, two of which were earned after. And it was a great start from Christian Avier, six scoreless innings. Ryan Presley gives up a solo home run in the ninth inning as going deep for Washington. Keybetter Wee's got his eighth home run season. Mackenzie Gore, five and two-thirds innings, scoreless for Washington. From there, you did have Hunter Harvey give up a run in this inning, but Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., both landed scoreless inning. Mason Thompson, one and a third inning, scoreless in. For the Astros, they went just one of 11 with men in scoring position. And then turn it forward to Friday. They lose to the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 2-1. to one. A Reds team that is now 35-35, and 35, by the way. And 
is now finding themselves just a half a game out of first place in the division. We're also going to talk a little bit about perhaps the Cincinnati Reds being a play to be able to win the NL Central in terms of the futures market as you had home run number five of the season from Tyler Stevenson that lifted the Reds of victory. He goes deep off of J.P. France. Allowed two runs in six and two-thirds innings, including that home run. Seth Martinez is squirrel setting. Rafael Montero from there, squirrel setting. But the Astros, they go 0 of 8 with men in scoring position as Andrew Abbott. This young guy has looked very good. Another scoreless start, six scoreless innings. He has now won 17 and two-thirds innings across his three starts. At the MLB level, has yet to give up a run. Buck Farmer, Lucas Sims, they both ended scoreless inning. You did have Alexis Diaz give up a run in an inning, but Reds, regardless, get the job done. Them for the Washington Nationals, they lose the Miami Marlins by kind of six to five as Luis Arise goes five of five. He's now 390 in terms of his batting average for the season, and he got his second home run of the campaign. That comes off of Trevor Williams. Allows five runs in four and a third innings. From there, you did have Jordan Weems give you one and two thirds innings. Squirrelless out of the bullpen. Mason Thompson, Chad Cool, Maple Thunder squirrelless inning as Carver Jr. allows a run in his inning of work. And Lane Thomas got home run number 10 of the season off of Sandy Alcantara. Well, it's not his night either. He gives up five runs in five and a third innings. From there, Andrew Nardi, five outs out of the bullpen. Squirrelless, Tanner Scott, AJ Puck. They turn a scoreless eighth and ninth thing to be able to get it done. Going back to Thursday, you did see the Guardians in the end hold on to that five-run lead that they got in the first inning. They took down the San Diego Padres by a count of eight to six. As in that one, you just had Ryan Weathers give up six runs in one and two-thirds innings. Bullpen from there did their part. And for the Cleveland Guardians, you did have Logan Allen get lit up for five runs over the course of three innings. And then flash forward to Friday, our DK Nation write-up pick, the under in Arizona versus Cleveland. It cashes as 5-1. to one. The Diamondbacks were able to get the job done for the Diamondbacks. They did strand 13 men on base. As for Cleveland, there was a lot of walks given out by Tukey Toussaint. The surprise starter for the injured Tristan McKenzie gives up five walks, two runs in total over the course of three and two-thirds innings. From there, Xavier Curry lost two runs in one and two-thirds innings. Anya De Los Santos gives up a run in one and two-thirds innings before Sam Entiches stems the tide and is able to give you a scoreless setting. Lone run in the game. Comes off the bat of Jose Ramirez. 11th home run season at Zach Gallen. Another tremendous home start. Gives up this home run over the course of seven innings. Scott McGill, Andrew Chafin from there. They're both able to end a scoreless setting. And then for the San Diego Padres, they lose on Friday by kind of 6-2 to the Tampa Bay Rays. As Randy Orozarena was able to go deep in this one. 13th home run season off of you, Darvish. And Darvish gives one up to Isak Paredes. 12th home run of the campaign for Darvish. Gives up all six runs over the course of five innings. From there, you did have Brent Honeywell lend two scoreless settings. Nibel Kersmet, Ray Kerr, they both lend a scoreless setting for a Padres bullpen that has a sub-175 ERA over the last three days. Meanwhile, Nelson Cruz, main form of offense for San Diego, gets his fifth home run season off of Shane McClanahan. Another good start out of him. He has allowed two earned runs or fewer in all but two of his starts this far this season. Gives up that home run over the course of six and two-thirds innings. From there, Zach Liddell gives up a run in one and a third innings. And Pete Fairbanks, Sean Armstrong, they piecemeal together a ninth inning scoreless to be able to get the job done there. The Seattle Mariners get the job done by kind of 3-2 to two over the Chicago White Sox, who, by the way, the White Sox, they had lost on Thursday in 11 innings by kind of 5-4, to four, as there is a little bit of a brouhaha that broke out as for the Chicago White Sox. You had Luis Robert not chase after the game-winning single, 
from Freddie Freeman as Dylan Cease allowed two runs in five and a third innings. Just one of those cases where the Dodgers were able to get into one. They had a grand slam in the sixth inning to pretty much send this extra as the Dodgers in total. Left 14 men on base, but Taylor was able to get his 11th home run in the campaign. You did have Michael Grove give up four solo home runs over the course of five innings. Going deep for the White Sox. So they hit four home runs and they got four runs in total. Eloy Jimenez, 17th home run season. Luis Robert, 17th. Jake Berger, 16th. And Andrew Vaughn, his 9th. From there, the Dodgers' bullpen was lights out, though. Shelby Miller, along with Evan Phillips, both lined a scoreless setting. Yancey Almonte, Caleb Ferguson, they both lined a scoreless setting in. The White Sox bullpen might have been a little bit taxed in this one as Michael Kopech goes just four and a third innings, jacked up his pitch count to 100. They had to trot out their Tanner Banks for two and two-thirds innings. He allows two runs, including a home run to a Teoscar Hernandez. 12th home run season did have a scoreless setting out of Jesse Schulten's ass for the White Sox. They just didn't have a lot of scoring opportunities in general. Brian Wu gives up a pair of solo home runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. So over the course of the last two games, the White Sox have six home runs and six total runs. Andrew Benatendi gets his first home run season. Gavin Sheets is eighth. From there, the Mariners' bullpen cleans things up. Matt Brash, one and a third inning scoreless. Andres Munoz, Paul Sewald are both able to lend a scoreless inning. In the early day action, you did see the Baltimore Orioles fall to the Chicago Cubs by kind of 10 to 3. Just like old times, a professor Kyle Hendricks able to lead the Cubs to a daytime win as he had a trio of home runs to help him out. Christopher Morrell gets home run number 12 of the season. Dansby Swanson, he's able to go deep. That is home run number 7 of the season. And home run number 2 for Miguel Amayas. This was not the start that Cole Irvin was hoping for. He gives up all three of those home runs. Just three solo runs in four innings, but bullpen from there was not terrific. Reed Garrett, CNL Perez combined for two innings, giving up five runs between the two of them. Mike Bauman gives up two runs over the course of his inning. Keegan Aiken, a scoreless inning. And for the Cubs, Kyle Hendricks, not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. Just one punch out, two runs a lot in five innings, but did the job. Michael Fulmer, along with Anthony K, lend a scoreless inning. And Javier Assad goes for two innings. He allows just one run. The Milwaukee Brewers, sadly, are currently leading the NL Central with a 35-34 and 34 record as they take down the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 5-4. to four. Rachel, four runs, three of which were earned in five innings, but the six walks were really costly. Dorian Moretta gets five outs out of the bullpen scoreless, and Carmen Moldozinski. This is a really hard last name to say. Moldozinski, we're going to go with that. One and a third innings. Gives up a solo home run and takes a loss as Joey Weimer gets his ninth home run this season. And for Julio Taran, he continues to be terrific for the Brewers. Start number five, and he has given up two runs or fewer in every one of them. He allowed one hit, two runs, as he does give up a home run. Going deep, Carlos Santana, sixth home run season. From there, you did have Elvis Piguero give up two runs in an inning. Joe Payam, seven Williams, so they supply a scoreless eighth and ninth inning to be able to get that one to the window. Also being able to get to the window, the Boston Red Sox, as they just pounded the tar out of the New York Yankees. 15-5 to the final. Josh Donaldson was able to go deep off Corey Kluber, his sixth home run season, and for Tanner Oak, wasn't a long start, but he needed a fine job. One run surrendered over the course of four innings. Have to think that there might have been a little bit of an ailment there as for the Red Sox, they went 10 of 18 with men in scoring position. You did have Kluber give up that home run over the course of two innings. You also had Brandon Bernadito lend a squirrel setting. And Joe Jacquez, he comes in for two innings. He allows three runs, only one of which was there. And Pablo Reyes did have a fielding error. But for Justin Turner, down for what? Six runs driven in, two home runs. One comes off of Domingo Orban for his ninth home run season. And then the young gun and Matt Crook, his MLB debut, 
Well, it was a crooked number that he gave up as yeah, it was Justin Turner's 10th home run season. As for Crook, he got five outs and he gave up five runs, all of which were earned. Domingo Armand gives up seven runs while going two innings. From there, Albert Abreu, two unearned runs, give it up in one and two-thirds innings. Isaiah Canafalefa comes in for an inning, giving up a run. And Nick Ramirez, he gives five scoreless outs out of the bullpen. So Boston, they were able to restore some order and they were able to get a W. The Atlanta Braves just completely banged around the Colorado Rockies. Rough one if you had the over, by the way. The Atlanta Braves were up by a count of 8-0 to zero in the fourth inning, and the game lands 8-1. to one. And this was a total that was right around 10-10.5 to 10 and a half to Nelson Lamette. Just an absolutely terrible start. He gives up eight runs on five hits, allowing three home runs. Going deep for the Atlanta Braves, Travis Darno twice, his third and fourth of the campaign, Eddie Rosario's seventh, and Jared Schuster was terrific. One run surrendered in five and two-thirds innings. You had one and a third inning scoreless out of Kirby Yates, and Ben Heller was able to give you two scoreless innings. For Colorado, the bullpen did fine. Peter Lambert, Jake Berg, they both won two scoreless innings, but damage by then had been done. The Walker Texas Rangers were held down by the Toronto Blue Jays by kind of two to one. Blue Jays get it done as Kevin Gosman, very nice start, gives up one solo run over the course of his six innings. Leury Tavares, seventh home run season. Martin Perez pitched relatively well as well. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings. He did allow a deep ball of his own. Danny Jansen, ninth home run season and his third over the last five days. From there for the Rangers, you did have Joe Barlow, Grant Anderson, and Jose Leclerc all in the squirrel setting. And for Toronto, Eric Swanson was able to give you a squirrel setting, and then Joe Romano, Tim Meza. They piecemeal together two scoreless settings to be able to get that one to the window. The LA Angels completely shut out the team with the worst record in baseball. That would be the Kansas City Royals, 3-0 to zero the final. Royals are now 18-51 and 51 as for LA. The home run streak of Shoei Otani ran dry as he had had six home runs over the course of his last six games. None here, but Patrick Sandoval was terrific. Seven scoreless innings. Sam Bachman, a two-inning scoreless save. And for Otani, he still did have a hit. In this one, he was able to draw a pair of walks as Brady Singer. He was singing the blues, giving up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Carlos Hernandez, one and a third innings scoreless. And then you have Jose Kuox give you an out of the bullpen. And Austin Cox, two scoreless innings. But for the Royals, just absolutely nothing doing on offense. The lowest scoring team in the big leagues here in the month of June. So that has been rather grody for them. This has been rather grody for the Twins. They lose back-to-back games at home for the Detroit Tigers. 7-1, Detroit gets it done as... This was a piecemeal bullpen game. Tyler Holton, two and two-thirds inning scoreless. Will Vest, the opener, he goes for a scoreless inning. Mason Englert gives up a solo home run over the course of his two innings going deep for Minnesota. That would be Alex Kurloff, fourth home run season. Only reason to cheer for them as they left Joe Ryan in this one for seven innings. He gives up six runs, all of which were earned. Five of them in the third inning as he allows a home run to Javi Baez, his fifth home run season. Then Matt Veerling. Went deep twice. Sixth and seventh home runs of the season. You did have Josh Winder lend two scoreless innings, but for Detroit, the piecemeal bullpen game gets them to the window. They've now won back-to-back games as a rather sizable underdog. The Phillies were a sizable favorite, and they took down the Oakland A's. Six to one the final as for Philadelphia. Taiwan Walker was terrific. One run surrendered in eight innings. And Andrew Vasquez from there closed it out and a trio of home runs for Philadelphia. JT Riamuto, eighth home run season. Alec Bohm is seventh and Kyle Schwarber, his 19th. As for J.P. Sears, it was not a great start. He allowed all three of those home runs. Four runs in total over the course of seven innings. And then you have two runs surrendered in two innings by Chad Smith as the Oakland A's. Thus far this season are hitting about a 208 at home. That is something that you do want to take note of. They hit 
significantly better on the road than they do at home. And it is a bit of misery for the St. Louis Cardinals. Dilly dilly, 6-1. They get destroyed by the New York Mets. As the Mets, they put up three runs in the first inning. And the Cardinals, their lone form of offense was Wilson Gutierrez. His eighth home run season off of Tyler McGill gives up one run over the course of six innings. And as a sub-three home ERA and a north of seven road ERA. You had from there Dominic Leon lend a scoreless inning. Josh Walker, two scoreless innings. And for the Metropolitans, Daniel Vogelback went deep off of Miles Michaelis. Third home run season. For Michaelis, he gives up all six runs in his six innings. Genesis Cabrera, Duvar Hagen from there. They were both able to lend a scoreless inning. And then when it comes to the late game, the San Francisco Giants take down the Dodgers in 11 innings by a count of 7-5. Really everyone other than Chaminea pitched pretty well for the Giants who entered into this game with a sub-two bullpen here. John Brebby of the opener, scoreless inning. From there you get scoreless innings out of Luke Jackson along with both Tyler and Taylor Rogers. Ryan Walker was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen scores, but Shamanea, he gives up four runs in three and two-thirds innings. He did strike out six and did have Camille Duvall get a blown save. He did give up a run in the ninth inning that prolonged this game, but from there, you do have Jacob Junis be able to turn a scoreless 11th inning as for the LA Dodgers. This was a really good debut from Emmett Sheehan. He goes six no hit innings. He did give up two walks. And then from there, the bullpen completely ruined it. Alex Vesia gives up two runs, one of which earned in the 11th inning. Caleb Ferguson was able to end a scoreless inning. Taylor Scott, pair of outs out of the bullpen. Nick Robertson, scoreless inning. But Victor Gonzalez gives up three runs in a third of an inning. And Bruce Harder Gretel gives up two runs in an inning, including a home run to Wilmer Flores. His seventh home run in the campaign as for the LA Dodgers, they are surprisingly not the team leading the NL West right now. That'd be the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are now three clear in that division. And if you're taking a look at what we've all been getting in baseball recently, last seven days, things have been very much to the over. 45 overs to 40 under, so hitting at a little bit north of a 52.9% clip. Meanwhile, favorites not doing so great. 52 and 40 straight up on the run line. Favorites have been able to do a okay job. All but 16 have been able to cover the run line. So it's been a little bit up and down there. Favorites over the last 30 days overall. I've had a good run of things. 230 and 159 on the money line. A little bit over 59%. Among these favorites, we have seen all but 66 of them be able to cover the run line. In the span of the last 30 days, we've seen a 52.7% hit rate to the under. 198 unders to 178 overs. And if you're looking overall for the season, unders are hitting at just below 51%. 510 to 494, 510 unders to 494 overs. Overall favorites hitting at about 58.8% on the money line, 611 and 428. But among these favorites, we have now seen 165 fail to cover the run line. So that's where we're all getting in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all saw on Friday. Coming up next, we're going to be chatting with our good friend Jared Smith. Just a wealth of knowledge, a man that is working on trying to get to 25,000 followers. So follow him on Twitter, at Jared Lee Smith. He does amazing work here at VSIN. We're going to be talking about yes run, no run for setting. Just getting into baseball if you're a little bit newer to it. We're going to be talking about gauging teams on hot and cold streaks and taking a look at a few games for Saturday. Up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the VSIN Family Podcast. 
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by this man, Jared Smith. He does absolutely tremendous work here at Beeson. On top of that, he does great work over at Fox Sports Radio, Live on the Line. He does a lot of film work over at that show. Every single market. This guy breaks it down pretty much everywhere. I swear, if there were bowling's lines up, Jared Smith would be the go-to guy because he would have some sort of algorithm. He'd be able to find a way to be able to find a profit there. He does such a terrific work with everything that he does. And I know that he's trying to be able to get to 25,000 followers by the end of the summer. He deserves more than that. So you want to give this man a follow at Jared Lee Smith altogether. And Jared, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. I appreciate it, bud. And we have reached the dog days of summer. Baseball or basketball and hockey are done. Baseball is the only real show in town with the men's professional sports. Yep, it certainly is. We do have the WNBA, obviously. Yep. That's on the women's side of things. And that product has been getting better and better, in my opinion, over the year. But it certainly is a case where the main sport is baseball just because you get more games day-to-day rather than in the WNBA. And when it comes to baseball, if there are some new betters out there that are going into baseball, what would be your advice? Because I do think that with baseball, it is the biggest sample size sport. And we both have experienced this. There's a lot of craziness that goes on in baseball. There's a lot of bets that you have no business winning that you're going to win. There's a lot of bets that you have no business losing that you're going to lose. And it, the biggest thing with baseball, in my opinion, is just maintaining your cool rather than overreacting based on like one or two bad or good results. The key is limiting your exposure as much as possible every day because it's sometimes easy. Like, for example, on an NFL Sunday, oh, we have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten bets. No big deal. We're not betting again for the following week. It's different in baseball. Because you're betting again likely the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that and so on and so forth for six months. So the hardest thing to do for a new better is to take five to six to seven or eight really, you know, solid looks that they like on a 15 game card and make it your top two or three, right? Like cut that in half every day. I say that to every better that asks me, like, what's your one tip? Well, take the amount of bets that you're making every day in baseball and cut it in half. If it's five, make it two or three. If it's two, make it one. If it's one, obviously you're in good shape. But I think two to four bets per day is a healthy amount to try to narrow a card down to. Now, that's the hardest thing I do every day. For example, today I made seven bets. It was a, it was a little bit more than I normally would do. And, you know, some variance got me. But I do think over the long haul, 
if it's two to three bets per day, every day for six months, you're going to get a nice sample size. You're going to be able to maybe withstand some of those really bad stretches. And you're not going to let the variance of one game, one roll of the dice trip you up because you're going to have so many bets over the course of a season that eventually it all balances out. It is very difficult to be able to have that healthy amount and just being able to find what works for you, I think is so important as well, because every single better is different. There are some betters that once they get past two bets, it's not necessarily so great. Some betters thrive on volume as well. So always just taking a look, know yourself, know how you take a look at the board and just even if you're a little bit newer to baseball betting, take a few days to maybe not place bets, but instead do like a trial run. Say, you know what? I would be betting this. Would it have been successful or not? Gauge results and then put your hard-earned money down. It's something that I always recommend as well as joining me on the show. We do have Jared Smith. He does tremendous work over here at VSIN. And Jared, one thing that you do better than anyone is taking a look at the yes run, no run market as you do a tremendous job with your spreadsheet that you put out every single day, taking a look at these guys. And what have you really been noticing in the market? Because I remember the last time you came on about a month or so ago was that these juiced up no run first settings, yes run first settings, when you were laying like minus 140, minus 150, these were actually some of the best bets out there and some of the most profitable long-term. Have we seen a little bit of a reversal on that? I think June, we have seen the reversal. The nerfy in June is hitting at around 55%. And if you see the month by month, if you look last year, June and July were the most profitable months for the nerfy. And I think that makes sense if you talk about it from a narrative perspective. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think it's pretty obvious that the balls were juiced in the first month or so. And offense was through the roof. And I think it's pretty obvious over the last few weeks, the offenses are kind of leveling off a little bit. We're seeing more low scoring games. We're seeing more pitchers duels. We're seeing the starting pitchers really start to get into a groove. And that means the first inning is going a little bit smoother. So the initial default should have been your fee for the first month or two. I think now it's flipped. And I I think you do the same thing you do every day, which is handicap the starting pitchers. And you try to find the best angle and the best number that you can based off of the edge. Because the one thing I've noticed about this market, too, is the odds tend to be pretty different at all the sports books. I've noticed 20, 30, 40 cent gaps in the prices from book to book. That's because, A, certain sports books are sharper than others. Certain sports books take bigger limits. I've heard a couple of sports books here in Las Vegas that there's been 25, 30, $40,000 bets come in on Yerfies and Nerfies this year. So this is a market that does get some big action. And when it's a market that isn't used to that kind of big action, it tends to move pretty violently. So shop around. And I think leaning nerfy is probably the best bet early on now that we're in June. Maybe once we get towards the later months, things will swing back. But I think we're kind of the pendulum has gone from nerfy and now we're kind of in the nerfy range now. I also recommend not laying more than $25,000 on a yes run, no run first inning bet. That seems to be a little bit much. And 40 grand I heard is the high this year over at Circa. $40,000. Someone bet 40 grand on a, I think it was a nerfy. I forget which teams. And I know that you love this market, Jerry, but I would say to anyone out there that is not recommended to be laying that much money because there is great variance because you could have a yes run, no run first inning, but be either cashing or not cashing based on an error, based on a little bit of variance. And I think that this has to be a little bit of a long-term labor of love. I don't know how you've been necessarily playing it per se over the last few years, but I have to believe that you do this just where you sort of find your bearings on a team. You're going to be playing it a few different times. You've got the pitchers that you trust. 
you got your pitchers that you don't trust, and occasionally you are going to have a slip-up from someone like a Zach Greinke, who is a very good no-run first-setting bet pitcher. And if you do see a slip-up, you don't necessarily back off just so just because of one or two bad runs of it from him. You just play it a little bit more long-term. For example, the Marlins are a great case study, and we're recording this on a Friday. They scored multiple runs in the first inning in the Friday game. They're a 67, 68% nerfy rate team this year, and their run scoring rate is about 15%. That's like one, two out of every 10, right? So that means that in theory, they scored on Friday. They shouldn't score again for another seven or eight games. If that's the case, well, we should be betting their nerfy all seven or eight of those games, right? Especially considering their pitching matchups. They tend to throw the better of the pitchers most nights. Alcantara's been great. Yuri Perez, Braxton Garrett, and Jesus Lazardo's been really good in the first inning. So I, I, I think you follow around the teams that have been consistent. Like this is a bet. The one thing about this bet is unlike other bets, first five money lines, full games, the sequencing tends to be the same. Luis Arise, Jorge Soler and Brian De La Cruz bat in the top of the first or bottom of the first, pretty much every game for the Marlins. And they have a 15% run scoring rate in the first inning. That's a very consistent bet over the course of now we've played 65 about to be 70 games to me if the price is below that 65 67 percent threshold which is like minus 140 minus 150 you should be considering the marlins as a nerfy wager every single day and that sounds really boring like just wake up every day brush your teeth comb your hair and bet the marlins nerfy but if it's hitting at 67 percent and the average odds are minus 120 minus 125 i mean that's value right there it's really boring value but That's the way to attack this market. I think you find teams that are consistent and the sequence is the same because it's the same three hitters every game. And you just hope to get on a streak where you can hit eight, nine, 10 in a row with the team. And then you get yourself some equity heading into the summer. Absolutely. In life in general, one of the best pieces of advice that you can receive is you can't go broke taking a profit. And I think that that is so well said as we do have Jared Smith, who does great work here at Beeson joining me right here on the baseball betting show. And We do have an interesting situation for the Miami Marlins on Saturday. It's going to be Jake Irvin going for the Washington Nationals and Braxton Garrett going for the Miami Marlins. Now, nerfy and nerfy prices typically are not out overnight. This is something they're going to find much more in the AM at most books. Sometimes you'll see a book like DraftKings posted up very, very late overnight, but you're typically not going to be able to bet this really until the AM. But how do you gauge a game like this? Because with the Miami Marlins, certainly throwing a guy like Braxton Garrett is rock solid, but now they're going up against someone in a Jake Irvin where it's a little bit more of a roll of the dice, in my opinion, as he has not been sharp this year. Yeah, minus 120 is the threshold for the price. When the price of a Marlins nerfy is minus 120 or higher, minus 125, minus 130, et cetera, that's when you're getting the most bang for your buck this year. It's 35 and eight this season when it's minus 120 or higher. Right now, based off of the book that I track off of, it looks like it's a little shorter than that. It looks like, and I'm guessing it's because of Jake Irvin, because he's not a great pitcher, at least in the first inning, his numbers have been been really bad. I think that's why you're getting a bit of a more, uh, let's call it reasonable coin flips type price on the Marlins Nationals nerf you. I'll be honest, this might be one that I don't bet, only because of Jake Irvin. If there's one guy the Marlins can score off of, it might be Jake Irvin. And I know they scored a couple off of Trevor Williams. And, and listen, sometimes teams get hot, right? They, they, they saw the ball go through the hoop today, and they got a couple of runs in the first inning, and they actually won the game. They scored six runs in the game. They went over their team total. I might chill 
with the Marlins nerfy this weekend. I've been cashing at a crazy rate with them. I think I've hit like five out of the last six. I might just let the price kind of dictate my action there and say, if it's not priced at minus 120 and the books are saying that this is more of a coin flip, then it's probably not a great bet for me. And I think you bring up something so interesting as well. You mentioned the fact that the Miami Marlins on Friday, they were able to get some offense going. How do you gauge sort of the streakiness of baseball? Like we're seeing the Detroit Tigers all of a sudden putting runs up on the board. Prior to their series against the Minnesota Twins, they were averaging 3.2 runs per game on the road. They've scored much more than that in the last two games. We saw the Oakland A's start out 12-50. and 50. They run off those seven straight wins. How do you gauge some of these teams that are having uncharacteristic hot slash cold streaks? Do you just continue to say the numbers are the numbers that continue to play it? Or is it a case where you do want to be either riding or fading those streaks? I think if you have a handicap of a team and it proves to be correct and they go on a streak while you're making that handicap and you're not catching on to it late, I think you ride it. With the Marlins nerfy, every time it's minus 120, Greg, I bet it. I don't even think about it. Sometimes I don't bet it until right before the game. I want to see what the closing number is. But most mornings, I know based off of what the opening price is, it's going to close minus 120 or higher. So if that streak continues, for example, let's say the Marlins run off eight straight nerfies and I bet seven of them. And then the next day, the price is minus 105 like it is now. I'll probably lay off of it. And and, and I think with baseball, you, you have to be okay with jumping off the bandwagon at a certain point because eventually the price does catch up and it is kind of a game of runs and they do go in the opposite direction. I would say just as much as they go in the positive direction. So I think it's more price dependent than anything else. I think the A's run was weird. I I, I don't think I would have wanted to step in front of them by fading them when they were a $2 underdog most days, but I might've taken a crack at them towards the end of that streak because they were so hot. But most of the time when you're tailing a streak, you're paying a really bad price And I think that's the first thing that most bettors don't grasp fully. The price matters more than the streak. And so it's all about what the price says. If the price action says something should hit, I feel comfortable playing it. But if the market still says, well, the A's are a $2 underdog for a reason, eventually they're probably going to lose eight or nine in a row again because that's kind of who they are. Yeah, I think that that's such good advice. And it's one of the trickiest things to do as a handicapper, taking a look at the overall season numbers and trying to balance that with how a team has been playing over the last, I mean, we'll call it sometimes the last four weeks, sometimes the last two weeks. Sometimes it could be a one-week mini run, but trying to balance all that, it is a very fine line. As a man that does a great job of trending that line, that would be Jared Smith. He's joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And I've got to bring up this game with you. I know that you're a little bit of a New York Yankees fan. You do a great job of not letting your fandom come out too much, but (laughs) we've got Yankees versus Red Sox going down on Saturday. Brian Bayo goes for Boston. Clark Schmidt is on the bump for the Yankees. Total between nine to nine and a half and the Red Sox. They've jumped up. The opener was about minus 125. Now you're seeing as low as about a minus 145, as high as about a minus 134. How do you play a spot like this with a Yankees team that, well, they just got completely destroyed, but the pitching overall this season has been rock solid. And we saw in the first three games that these teams played, no team exceeded three runs, and then you had a complete explosion Friday night. Yeah, and Boston's lineup's kind of been due to break out. They've been really good at home this year. They've been a Yerfy team at home this year. They've been a team that I think has a lot of talent on offense, but I don't know, maybe just hasn't played up to the potential. Clark Schmidt's a guy that could help them look like a, a murderer's row type of lineup. 
Ryan Bellow on the other side. This game does look like a Yerfi to me. I'll check the price tomorrow and I'll see where we go from there. But if it's a minus 120 or higher on the Yerfi, it's probably a Yerfi game for me. Clark's numbers pitching a little better than his overall numbers. So his his overall Nerfy rate's about 68%. This year he's 10 and 4, which is over 70%, which is about major league average. His data is about major league average in the first inning this year, about an expected FIP of around four. Brian Bellow, I would say, is pitched a little bit ahead of his skis. Got a high walk rate, high FIP in the first inning. So yeah, this this game smells like a Yerfy. And I would expect Boston to carry that momentum over. I think the price will matter more than anything tomorrow. I do think that that's so important to always be taking a look at. And Jared, just in terms of the overall betting board that we do have for Saturday, is there anything that stands out to you, whether it be full game, whether it be first inning, whether it be first five, anything that you've really been able to key in on, which I do recognize a little bit tough on this card because I noticed that there were three or four teams with undecided pitchers, which makes things a little bit tricky. I think Cincinnati-Houston Nerfie's a bet. Hunter Green is just an absolute rock star. Nerfie record 12-1 and this year. And the Astros, we saw one with J.P. France, and we're going to see another one tomorrow with Brandon Belak. These are, I mean, Houston, Tampa, Miami, they, they do it better than anyone else. They bring up these young arms, and they just produce right away. And Belak in France, Houston's got a couple of guys injured, of course, it's a rotation that I think when, if and when McCullers ever comes back, maybe they'll be a little bit stronger, but they reload so fast because they've got these young arms and Belak's one of those guys and, you know, really good expected fit number in the first inning under two and a half, 40% K rate in the first inning. And he's two and oh at home this year, six and one overall. And Hunter Green is just a rock star. And, and, you know, doesn't face the Astros a whole lot, right? The interleague play, I think is helping nerfy rates a little bit. Now that we're in the meat of the season, because you get, the Cincinnati Reds that never play at, you know, Houston Stadium. And they have to get adjusted to new sight lines and the hitters, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's a series where it looks like the arms are really showing themselves. And listen, Cincinnati's a really young and up-and-coming team. They're going to compete in the Central this year. I might have to bet them to win the NL Central pretty soon because the Brewers and the Pirates and the Cardinals do not impress me at all. But the Reds just keep getting better and younger and faster and stronger. And they're just a really talented team. So Hunter Green tomorrow, Nerfy looks like a decent spot in the Astros game. Yep, I do agree with you on both fronts. And I do think that with Hunter Green, he's been just absolutely amazing when he's been on the road at home. It just feels like that ballpark does not suit him very well. That has been something to always key in on because Great American Ballpark, it is a hitter's paradise. But to your point on the Cincinnati Reds, I think that taking a feature on them, you want to do it sooner rather than later. I actually took a piece of them at 14 to 1 to be able to win the division. It's down to 6 to 1 right now, but even at Fantastic bet, Greg. Yes. I should have gotten in like the deepest team in that division right now. My biggest regret is not getting in when it was like 30 to 1. I mean, yeah. that's honestly my biggest regret because this te- this division just stinks. All five of these teams, the Milwaukee Brewers, and I'm from the state of Wisconsin, they should not be minus 110 no. right now. The Cubs are at plus 450. Since the beginning of the month of May, they have not hit. The Pirates, who actually led the division coming into the night, they're at 7-1. to Honestly, that's not the worst bet in the world, but I don't think the Pirates are going to be able to pull it out with all the young talent of the Reds getting at 6-1 to right now, which is pretty much on par with the St. Louis Cardinals, who you want to talk about a pit of misery. I mean, my goodness, the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, you saw Andrew Abbott on Friday night. I mean, Yeah, Andrew Abbott. Talk about if, if Ashcraft comes back from the DL – and you have Green and Ashcraft and Abbott at the top of that rotation. I do not know if there's a better one, two, three right now. If Ashcraft pitches up to his potential, we saw it a little bit last year. The big injury for them was Lodolo, 
who was one of their big aces going down. It looks like he's done for the year. But if Ashcraft comes back in his top end, I mean, that's a decent top three. And I, I love that lineup. You got De La Cruz, the rookie. India's the former rookie of the year. You got Will Myers, who's on the DL right now, who hopefully will come back at some point. It's crazy to think, but they really do have one of the deeper teams in that division. They certainly do. And for the Brewers, if they had Brandon Woodruff, they would have the best rotation in that division. But man, without him, they've been trotting out their guys like Colin Ray. I am still campaigning for them to send Caleb Bowsley up to the big leagues as Mm. well. And the Brewers just continue to not do it. But that said, you can't always get what you want. But we got what we wanted on this podcast because, Jared, you do absolutely tremendous work here at VSIN. You do a great job gauging the yes run, no run for setting market and so much more. Love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you. Now people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, at Jared Lee Smith, I appreciate the plug there. We're definitely trying to get the account boosted up for summer. Summer is, I think, the most challenging time for a lot of content creators, especially ones that don't do baseball. Thankfully, I do. So if you're following, you're getting your money's worth for this summer. Just catch me live on the line, usually once a week. The, 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 the day varies. And then VEASAN, usually three articles a week, all nerfies, all on the weekends, nerfies, nerfies. And then Saturday morning, Fox Sports Radio. So very busy, even though, you know, baseball season's kind of our slow time still pretty busy heading into the summer and, and gearing up and maybe who knows i don't know maybe take a week off during the all-star break greg what do you think maybe. yeah during the all-star break and it's actually a clean all-star break they don't have like the teams like they've done the last few years randomly coming back for like one game on like that wednesday or thursday yeah, or right. anything like that so that's a relief for you but i think that sounds like a good plan and a good plan is always getting jared smith aboard because he does absolutely amazing work here at VSIN, and every single time he joins this podcast, wants tremendous insights, much like today. So, a big thanks to Jared for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VSIN family podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four so because the american express platinum card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants elevated experiences at live events and 4 p.m late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply this is tracy v wilson from stuff you missed in history class the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, 
stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Love you, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by... Our good friend Jared Smith. He does tremendous work over at VSIN. On top of that, Fox Sports Radio, Live on the Line, list goes on and on. And he does a tremendous job in so many different markets, whether that be baseball with a yes run, no run first inning, whether that be taking a look at football, basketball, list goes on and on. And every single time he joins this podcast, one tremendous insights, much like he did today. So a big thanks to Jared for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis. And every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUNET underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and the Interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, Let's dive in on this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins there. On the road, they're facing off against the Washington Nationals. As Jake Irvin goes for the Nats and Braxton Garrett is on the bump for Miami. Total on this game is 9, shaded to the over, anywhere between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. With Washington, you're going to be getting them between plus 130 and plus 140, anywhere between minus 150 to minus 165. The number on Miami and it. If you're taking a look at the Marlins run line, find that anywhere between even money and minus 105. I was willing to go up to a minus 108 on that Marlins run line as I did set them at a minus 164 on the money line. I would rather lay the run line here because, well, with Jake Irvin, it has not necessarily been so savory of a season for him. Posting up an area that is north of a 5-8. He's not necessarily giving up a ton of home runs, a little bit over one home run per nine innings, but he's just been ineffective at home. In his five home starts, he has just not been able to lend a lot of length, averaging fewer than four innings per start. He's given up 19 runs and 19 and two-thirds innings at home, and the walks are really the issue for him. When you're not getting a lot of swings and misses, you can't walk, guys. And for Jake Irvin, he's given up north of five walks per nine innings. That was a ailment early on in the career of Braxton Garrett, but Garrett has been very good with regards to his command thus far this season, giving up only about two walks per nine innings. It's giving up a little bit north of a home run per nine innings, but Garrett has been very good on the road. Seven road starts with an ERA of a 229, giving up two home runs in 35 and a third innings when he has been away from Miami. Ironically, he's got a 635 ERA at home. What really just has torpedoed the numbers for Braxton Garrett, he had this one blow-up start against the Atlanta Braves where he gave up 11 runs. He got completely destroyed. Gave up four of the nine home runs they has surrendered this year in that start. You take that out of the fold, and he's got a sub-3 ERA and has been rock solid all season long. He's also backed up by the better bullpen. You now have JT Chargua, AJ Puck back in the fold. Guys have been dealing with ailments throughout the entirety of the season now. Doan Floro, Uskabrazoban, they've been up and down this far this season, but the Marlins, they're a respectable 16th in terms of bullpen ERA. But the Washington Nationals are going like dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA. Currently, Erasmo Ramirez is dealing with a little bit of an injury. You've got the likes of Thaddeus Ward, along with Kyle Finnegan, Mason Thompson, all these guys 
They're currently supplying north of a 390 ERA. Not necessarily too terrific. And for the Nationals, to their credit, they don't strike out. They are the number one team in the big leagues in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per-game basis, but they also don't have any power. They don't have a single guy that entered into the series with a double-figure amount of homers. Wayne Thomas says they will give you nine bombs. And to the credit of the Washington Nationals, they move the line there. One of the top teams in terms of batting average in the league, as a matter of fact, they are number three in the National League, but you just don't get a lot of pop with that. Currently, they're dealing with an injury to Victor Robles, their top player in terms of on base. The likes of Joey Manessis, Corey Dickerson, Thomas, who I mentioned before, all hitting above a 285. And then you've got other guys like Dominic Smith, Luis Garcia, hitting about a 272, 275, but could use a little bit more on base for the Marlins. The team is actually last in the National League in terms of runs per game, but Ore Soler able to give you 20 home runs. Need a little bit more balance with this team because Luis Arias, I mean, he's been amazing. He's hitting about a 380 overall for the season, but outside of those two guys, it's a little bit more bare. Brian De La Cruz has been solid. Eight home runs, hitting about a 280, and Garrett Cooper is able to give you eight bombs, but just a 268 on base. As you've had guys like Nick Fortes, Jacob Stallings, along with Gene Segura, have some issues just in terms of being able to move the line. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. So I do think that Braxton Garrett is going to be able to turn a night start. Semi total at an 8.6. Looking at the under with Miami Marlins willing to lay up to a minus 108 on that run line. 903 904 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are on the road facing off against the Atlanta Braves as Bryce Elder goes for the Bravos and Connor Siebold goes for Colorado. And Colorado is a massive underdog. Anywhere between plus 230 and plus 250. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 280 and minus $3 is your price on the Atlanta Braves. 9.5 is the total. The over is minus 120, and the under is even. I'm willing to take a shot here on Colorado. I needed at least a plus 240, but we're north of a plus 240 at this point. It's just gotten a little bit ridiculous with Bryce Elder. He did get got a little bit in his last start, and you've been expecting regression with him as he's been leading the National League in terms of ERA throughout much of the campaign. You look at the advanced numbers, and it's not like this stuff is necessarily that great, and I'm not a believer in just taking a look at the raw stuff and thinking, oh, well, he's not throwing a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. He can't be effective or anything like that, but he's been getting quite lucky on balls in play. He's getting 7.5 strikeouts, about 2.5 walks per 9 innings, so he's not really giving up a lot of free passes, but he's got a fielding independent of a 379 compared to a 269 ERA. You were expecting regression. He's now given up 4-plus runs at each out of his last two starts, and it's a Colorado Rockies team that do they have a lot of power? No, they do not. They only have one player that's been able to give you north of seven home runs this far this season. That would be Brian McBann, as he's been able to give you 10 bombs, hitting about a 270, as currently dealing with injuries to CJ Crone, Chris Bryant. That has been hurting this team, but you do have plenty of guys that are able to move the line. Bryant, along with someone like a Charlie Blackman, whenever he's been out there, Harold Castro, guys like this, hitting between about a 265 to 275 have been solid. Randall Gretchik is able to hit about a 300. Now, with Colorado Rockies, you always have to be mindful of their home and road splits. They're averaging about 5.1 runs per game at home, 3.8 on the road, and you got an Atlanta Braves team that there's towards the top of the National League and darn near everything. They're in the top three in terms of runs, home runs, and batting average, as you've got Matt Olson supplying 19 home runs, 350 on base, Ronald Cunha Jr. North of a four-arm base, 15 home runs. Sean Murphy has been able to give you 385 on base. He's supplying 13 home runs. Barcelona Zuno over the last three days. He's hitting well above a 300. So, yeah, you do have the weapons there. But it's not like this Braves bullpen is necessarily amazing. They're dealing with an injury to Jesse Chavez. Overall for the season, the Atlanta Braves went around eighth in terms of bullpen. Anyway, they've been able to turn around a little bit. Getting back Rossi Iglesias and getting him healthy is big. But A.J. Minter has been a mess with a little bit north of a five-year 
Kirby Yates has been able to turn it on a little bit recently, but they're now relying upon Ben Heller for innings. And I recognize that saying the Colorado Rockies are right around 23rd in the league in terms of bullpen right doesn't necessarily sound great. But you know what? When you play half of your games at Coors Field, that's not too bad as got a lot of guys that are able to supply a sub-350 ERA. Justin Lawrence, Brad Hand, Daniel Bard, Brent Suter. These guys have been terrific. we got to avoid Pierce Johnson. He has been not great to say the least, but... You know what? I do think that this is a little bit disrespectful of a guy in Connor Siebold who he gets right around seven half strikeouts per nine innings, which is on par with Bryce Elder. He's giving up a little bit over home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is right around three, and he's given up three earned runs for fear in each out of his last four starts. Should Connor Siebold be like some sort of a favorite here? No, but being able to get north of plus 240, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Colorado Rockies. Did something total at 9.2 as well. I mentioned those home and road splits for the Rockies, and Seabold has pitched a little bit better as well. So looking at the under and looking at the Rockies with this plus price. 905, 906 on the betting board. This is Pittsburgh Pirates on the road facing up against the Milwaukee Brewers. Wade Miley hopes to have a party in Milwaukee, and Mitch Keller is on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is anywhere between minus 102 to minus 108. Meanwhile, with the Brew Crew, they're anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115. 8.5 is the total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. I set the Pirates as the minus 112 favorite with Wade Miley just coming off the injury list. I've got my trepidations as to how he's going to look in this start when he's been at the big league level. And this is a spot where it's going to be his first start in about a month. Last time he was out there on the mound, it was the 16th of May. He's been okay this season, about a 360-70 ERA. You know what to expect out of Wade Miley. He's not going to give up a lot of walks. He's not going to get a lot of strikeouts as his walks per nine rate is hovering right around two. His strikeouts per nine rate, hardly above five. So, I mean, he's a presentable pitcher. Nothing great, nothing terrible. Meanwhile, with Mitch Keller, he can have his blow-up starts. We've seen that from time to time. It has been a little bit more rough sliding for him recently, but the swing and miss stuff, it is way up. He's getting about 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings while only giving up about 2.4 walks per nine innings. It's done a much better job in terms of controlling the deep ball on the road, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. He's really been able to progress as a pitcher, and the overall bullpen of the Pirates is a bit better than that of the Milwaukee Brewers. I recognize that the Pirates are currently 22nd in the league in terms of bullpen array. The Brewers entered into the series 18th. Glad that due to the fact that Devin Williams has been terrific for the Brewers, you do have Elvis Piguero, Lancho Piamps, supplying a sub-3 ERA, getting him the ball, but you do have other guys, like I'm looking at you, Trevor McGill, that aren't necessarily getting the job done. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's just the case of Chase Young giving up quite a few runs since coming off the injured list that torpedoed this bullpen area. So you've got a lot of guys like Yohan Ramirez, Angel Perdomo, David Banar, Jose Hernandez, Dory Moretta. They're all giving you a sub-3-2 ERA. Colin Olderman, he's been a little bit testy recently. And for the Pirates and the Brewers, these have been two of the bottom four offenses in the National League ever since the beginning of the month of May as the Pirates got off to that great start. They're clearly missing O'Neill Cruz right now. You've got Jack Swinniski supplying 15 home runs as far this season with about a 360 on base. And the Pirates don't do the worst job of moving the line. Rodolfo Castro, Brian Reynolds, Connor Joe. These are guys hitting between about a 340 to a 355 in terms of on base. Andrew McCutcheon, a 385 on base. You don't have a lot of pop on this lineup. And man, they're straining a lot of men on base. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, this team just can't get on base to save their lives. This team is in the bottom six of the big leagues in terms of batting average. You do have Rowdy Tellez who's been able to give you 12 home runs thus far this season, but William Adamas hitting a deplorable 204 right now. You've got Andrew Morosario who's been able to about a 275. Will Miller has been able to 300. Christian Yelich 
trying to prove that he's not a waste of money. He's been able to give you a 360 on base. That has been terrific. You've got a wide range of guys that have been hitting, though, in that pocket of about a 200 to about a 225-ish, as William Adamas is there, I mentioned, Joy Weimer. When you've had Bryce Terang out there, that has been a little bit less than savory. The young outfielder and Blake Perkins. Uh, you need a little bit more there. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, I do think that Mr. Pitcher Contact, Wade Miley, will fall short against Mitch Keller. Set the Pirates as a slight favorite, so taking them on the money line. Did set my total at any point to zero in eight and a half. Looking at the under as well. 907-908 on the betting board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals on the road facing up against the New York Mets. Kodai Senga goes for the Mets and Adam Wainwright is on the bump for St. Louis. 8.5 to 9 is the total on the 8.5 over is minus 120. The unders even on the 9 over is anywhere between even minus 105. The unders between minus 115 to a minus 120. Between minus 142 to minus 150, your number on the Metropolitans. Between plus 125 and plus 135 is the number on St. Louis. And with the Cardinals, they set them at a plus 162. I just do not want any part whatsoever Van Wainwright with the Mets here finding the run line between a plus 125 to a plus 130. I'm going to play it safe on the money line because I do have my trepidations as well with this New York Metropolitan team. A team that is currently 21st in the big leagues in terms of bullpenning rate. David Robertson has been terrific for this bullpen and Brooks Ray Lee is now supplying about a sub-3 ERA but all in all it has been a little bit of a less than savory situation for them but speaking of less than savory situations how about Adam Wainwright who has made 7 starts and he's given up at least three runs in every one of these starts. He's getting 5.1 strikeouts per nine innings while giving up nearly 13 hits per nine innings. Not great. His fielding independence somehow, some ways, a 443. I have no idea how. This is where you have to use the eye test. And the eye test tells you that Adam Wainwright is an old man that should not be out there on the mound. Meanwhile, for Kodai Senga, he's really been able to round into form recently as he has allowed three runs or fewer in terms of earned runs because has been the victim of a few unearned runs in each out of his last five starts. Swing and miss stuff clearly there with our good friend and Mr. Senga as he's been able to give you about 11 strikeouts per nine innings. The big thing for Senga, the walks. He is giving out north of five walks per nine innings. He needs to rein that in a little bit more, but has been vastly better in New York than he has been on the road. 478 road ERA, buck 93 home ERA, giving up just two home runs in 32 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home, and he goes up against the St. Louis Cardinals lineup that had their soul ripped out of them yesterday for one, as they currently have the worst record in the National League. And for two, for the St. Louis Cardinals, they average about 5.3 runs per game at home, closer to about 3.8, 3.9 runs per game on the road. They just have not been able to hit away from St. Louis. You saw Bo Goldschmidt, Lonzo Leonardo, hitting between about a 282, 285 double-figure amount of homers for both. Wilson Contreras did go deep yesterday, but he has been deplorable, hitting about a 205. Paul DeYoung, Alec Burleson are in that pocket about a 225. You haven't been able to get a lot of power there. Their righty-lefty splits aren't necessarily too bad, but they just have been terrible all across the board. Meanwhile, for the Mets, even without Pete Alonso in the fold, they've gotten five-plus runs in all but one of the games since he went out of the fold, which, I mean, that has been very encouraging for the team. You do have the Franciscos and Francisco Alvarez, Francisco Lindor, both providing 12 home runs. Lindor, he's had a disappointing year. Let's call it what it is. He's only got a 290 on base, but Brandon Nimmo at the top is giving you about a 380 on base. Starling Barte has really rounded into form. He had a rough start to the season, and Ever since then, it has been the Marte Parte. As over the last three days, he's hitting for right around about a 295, nearly 350 on base. 
You still could use a little bit more out of the likes of Omar Nervais, Daniel Vogelback and company, but it does seem to be coming around a little bit with the Mets, especially with Alvarez being able to give you a home run every about eight or so at bats. And with Adam Wayne right on the mound, you certainly should be able to get some runs on the board if you are the New York Metropolitans and for this Cardinals bullpen. It's just one of the more interesting bullpens in the big leagues. They are missing Ryan Helsley, their main closer. They're currently, in terms of ERA, hovering right in that neighborhood of about 19th. They don't have a single guy that gives you a sub-3 ERA. They really don't have anyone other than failed starter Stephen Mass with north of a 5 ERA. Giovanni Gallegos has been a little bit shaky when they try to have them close out games. So it is a spot where I did set the mess at a minus 162. I'm going to be one to ride with them on the money line. Did set my total at 8.7. The only 8.5s I'm seeing are out there on the East Coast. And plus, I would rather have a 9 under anyway. So looking at the under and looking at the Mets on the money line. 909-910 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers and the playoffs of the San Francisco Giants. Bobby Miller goes for the Dodgers, and it is going to be a bullpen game for the Giants. This game is off the board. With the Giants throwing a bullpen game, I set them at a plus 169, so I would need at least a plus 170 to take a shot on the Giants. I probably am going to look at the run line if I'm taking a look at anything with the Dodgers, and I would need at least plus 112 on that run line of the Dodgers. And I did set my total to where it ain't half or less. I'm going to be looking at the over 9 or higher to the under. Now, for the Giants, their bullpen has been absolutely lights out recently. Over the last three days, the San Francisco Giants have a bullpen ERA that is sub-2. They were the worst bullpen in the National League for the first, I would say, month and a half of the season. Now they've got a buck 43 bullpen ERA over the last three days. What form of sorcery has come over this bullpen? I have no idea, but you've got Roger Square, you've got Camilio Duvall, Luke Jackson, Ryan Walker, all these guys are supplying a sub-3-3 ERA. They have been absolutely magnificent for the team, and even the likes of Sean Manea, Jacob Junis, your longer guys, they would able to do a nice job as well, but for the San Francisco Giants, they're going to need to try to catch up to Bobby Miller. Is he going to be able to maintain a 0-78 ERA? No, but this guy has been a stud for the Dodgers. He has given up zero runs in his last two starts. He does give up a few walks, seven walks and 23 innings, but the swing and miss stuff is there. He does a good job of being able to control soft contact. He showed that through in the minor leagues this year. I really like his game. You do have a giant team that they very much do rely upon the deep ball on the road. At home, this team is not really able to get a lot of home runs. They're getting barely over a home run per game when they're at home. That's because Oracle Park is about as much of a pitcher-friendly ballpark as it gets on the road. More like 1.55 home runs per game. That is number four in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game on the road. And just a lot of balance with this team. As currently, you've got seven different guys that have at least seven home runs this far this season. Michael Conforto is the only guy with north of nine. He's been able to give you 12. And then you've got J.D. Davis providing about a 370 on base. Theria Estrada about a 350 on base. Lamonte Wade Jr. over a four on base. This team does a very good job with their platooning splits. The problem is they run into a Dodgers team that, while they're actually in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of raw batting average, they do a good job with their on-base. They're number one in terms of walks on a per-at-bat basis. You do have one guy in Freddie Freeman that does a good job of hitting for average. Think about a 330 with 13 home runs, but got the boom squad with J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Max Muncy. Combining for 51 home runs entering into yesterday. Muncy hitting just a buck 91, but 323 on base. Looks like he's probably going to be hitting the injured list. He should be out for this game, and he might be out a little bit more moving forward. But Martinez, he's flying about a 260 average best. He gives you a 370 on base. And then you've been able to have Will Smith get you with a 400 on base. He's been able to give you 10 home runs on all this Dodgers team. It's terrific on that front. You just have to avoid the Dodgers bullpen. As for the Dodgers, you've got three guys that are solid in this bullpen. Bursardo Gradrall, Victor Gonzalez, Caleb Ferguson. Ferguson has seen his ERA creep up to a 360, but all in all, these guys have been solid. 
But then you got a lot of guys like I'm looking at you, Yancey Almonte and Alex Vesio providing north of a five ERA. Whenever Phil Bickford is up at the big league level, that's not necessarily too terrific either. So I do think that this is going to be an interesting ordeal. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 168 on the Dodgers money line. Will it take up to a plus 112 or greater on that run line with the Giants? I need at least plus 170 to be able to gamble there. And in after less, looking at the over nine or higher to the under nine, 11, 9, 12 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers. And they throw out their facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Joey Wentz is going to be going for Detroit. It is to be determined who is on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. All indications are that Brett Hedrick is going to be getting the start, and I have handicapped as if it is going to be Mr. Hedrick, and I set the Twins minus 193 on the money line. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 105 on that run line. I would need at least a plus 184 to take a shot on the Tigers, and I set my total at 8.1, 8 or less looking at the over 8.5 higher to the under with the Tigers. They entered into the series dead last in the big leagues in terms of road batting average. Dead last in the league in terms of runs per game on the road. We have seen a nice reversal of this in each of the last few days, but I'm going to rely upon the full season's worth of data. As you've got a Tigers team that is currently dealing with Riley Green being out of the full. He's your top hitter, hitting about a 295. And if you took a look at the starting lineup yesterday, you had two guys hitting north of a 245 entering into the game in that starting lineup with nobody hitting for above a 340 on base. Zach McKinstry along Zach Short have been able to give you a little bit of on base, but you really have a lack of power with this Detroit Tigers team as well. So they're in the bottom five of the big leagues with that regard as well. Jason Rogers has been able to club nine home runs as far as the season. Nobody else entered into yesterday with north of seven home runs. Just been a really rough situation for the team with having so many guys like Andy Ibanez when he's been out there, Jonathan Short. You're able to throw in there Jake Marizic, Eric Haas, all these guys in a 225 or lower. Javi Bias has been a complete mess now for the Minnesota Twins. Bottom eight team in terms of batting average as well, but Alex Kurloff has been able to give you about a 400 on base. He went deep yesterday. You've been able to get a little bit more out of our Ward Julien, who's been able to hit north of a 300 over the last three days. Royce Lewis, Donovan Solano, a pair of guys are able to move the line, but likes of Christian Vasquez, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Joey Gallo. These are big names. They're all hitting below a 225, not giving you a ton in terms of on base. They need to pick it up. Buxton and Gallo, both between 10 and 11 home runs apiece. What you've got going for you with both of these teams is that both bullpens have been relatively solid as the Detroit Tigers are right around about 14th in the league in terms of bullpen area, but in my opinion, they've pitched a little bit better than this. It's just a matter of circumstance that they've been coming up a little bit short with that regard, but you do have the opener from yesterday and Will Vest, along with the likes of Alex Flat Lang, Jason Foley, Jose Cicerano, all these guys. It will give you a sub-325 ERA. And then on the flip side for the Minnesota Twins, you've had Giovanni Morin be a little bit unreliable this year. But Brock Stewart, Yohan Durham, both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-250 ERA. They've actually gotten some halfway decent innings out of Emilio Pagan recently, though. You know, that can be... A very much roll of the dice, to say the least. Jose De Leon has been relatively solid as well. But I do think that for Hedrick, he's able to go out there and he's able to turn a relatively solid start. He's not gotten a lot of big league experience. He's pitched a career eight and a third innings at the big league level. Been okay, 13 strikeouts for nine innings. But you want to be taking a look at the AAA level numbers with him. Where he's been able to get about ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's looked relatively solid in a lot of his recent starts slash appearances as he's been used in long relief a few times thus far this season as well, but very good stuff. I do think that he's going to be able to go out there, hold down the fort, a guy from Illinois State University. Meanwhile, for Joey Wentz, just been a bad year for him in general. Every time it feels like he might be turning the corner, it's two steps back from. He's not a guy that gives you 
a whole lot in terms of command with right around four walks per nine innings. He's been a little bit unlucky in terms of home run ball, giving up two home runs per nine innings, but he really doesn't get a lot of swings and misses. 723 ERA. Fielding independent does indicate that he's gotten a little bit unlucky with a 564 fielding independent, but this guy has struggled on the road. This guy has struggled at home. It's been no good, very bad, terrible. So, one to lay up to a minus 105 on that Twins run line if it is Hedrick. If it's a bullpen game, I'd probably downgrade the Twins a little bit here, but I don't think I would be varying it up too much. Like I said, eight or less looking at the over eight and a half high to the under would need at least a plus 184 to take a shot on the Tigers. 913-914 on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays are on the road facing up against the Walker Texas Rangers. Another nice to-be-determined situation is we've got a lot of these on the board as Dane Dunning is going to look to get her Dunning. For Texas, undecided. It's on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays. This is off the board. This is just a classic bullpen game for the Jays. I could expect them going with like Trevor Richards for a few innings. Bowden Francis should be going for a few innings as well. We saw the Blue Jays do this about a week ago against the Minnesota Twins, and they got completely destroyed in that game. So as a result, I did set the Rangers at a minus 131 on the money line, but only need about a plus 148 to take a shot on laying a run and a half with a total of 9.8. So 9.5 or less looking at the over 10 or higher to the under. We need at least a plus 132 to take a shot on the Jays. Now, the Blue Jays' bullpen overall has actually been pretty rock solid thus far this season. They're about 11th of the league in terms of bullpen anyway. If you're able to get the ball to those trustworthy guys like a Jordan Romano, Eric Swanson, throwing their Tim Mesa, these guys giving you a sub-3 ERA, they've been able to do a relatively solid job. It's one you throw out there, Adam Simber, Yimi Garcia. Fortunately, they DFA'd Anthony Bass, but I mean, Bowden Francis is a long guy that spent the beginning part of the year at the minor league level. Not a lot of faith in him. Mitch White is someone that is just a human white flag because you know the game is over when he's out there. So not too terrific on that front. What else is not too terrific is the Texas Rangers bullpen is. They're currently 25th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen here. You've been able to get some good innings out of the likes of Brock Burke along with Jose LeCarc being able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. Will Smith has gotten jiggy with it with about a 3-1-2 ERA as well, but a lot of these guys like Grant Anderson, Joe Barlow, and company are just not cutting it. What is cutting it is the fact that the Rangers are number one in terms of runs per game and batting average in the league. Now, if you take a look at the baseball savant advanced numbers, there's probably a little bit of regression coming in for them, but for the Texas Rangers, if you saw their starting lineup yesterday, they had one guy in the starting lineup that entered the game hitting below a 275, and that's Adolis Garcia sitting for 15 home runs, entering in the game hitting right around about a 260. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. Corey Seager is hitting for north of a four-iron base. Power has been a little bit down this year, but you know what? When you're hitting about a 340, you're going to take that. Mitch Garver, Jonah Heim, Josh Young, Marcus Simeon, all in between about a 282, 290. You've been able to get a double-figure amount of homers out of Young. This team is good against lefties. This team is good against righties, so they've been able to do a nice job on that front and for Toronto. Just 14th in the league in terms of home runs per game entering into the series. you got to feel like it's going to be turning around for them. The likes of George Springer, Matt Chapman, Flagger, Jr. all stuck on between 9 and 10 home runs. Bobochet has really been your main home runner. 14 home runs. He's been able for about a 316. He's been rock solid. you got plenty of guys that are getting on base. The guys I mentioned before, a couple with Alejandro Kirk. You're able to throw in there as well someone like a Kevin Kiermeyer. They're all giving you at least a 335 in terms of their on base. With Merrifield is now hitting above three iron, so that's been rock solid for them. So I do think that you're going to get plenty of offense, and Dane Dunning, I was thinking that there was going to be regression with him. He's getting fewer than six strikeouts per nine, and he was just getting really lucky to induce the soft contact that he was. It has been 
started turning around for him a little bit. Now, with Dane Dunning, he's always been significantly better in Texas than he has on the road for his entire Texas career. He's got an ERA that is more than 2.5 points lower at home rather than on the road. But you've got Dunning who has entered into this game giving up three plus runs in each out of his last three games. The command has been lessening a little bit as he's been giving up darn near three walks per nine innings. So, nine and a half or less looking at the over tender higher to the under end with the Rangers. One delay up to a minus 130 with them plus 132 or greater. Taking a shot on the Jays. I'm 15-9-16 on the betting board. Another to be determined situation. You've got the LA Angels hitting the road face off against the Kansas City Royals. With the Royals, it is to be determined, but I would think that Mike Myers is going to be a bulk guy for them. Meanwhile, Griffin Canning is on the bump for the Angels. If it is Myers versus Canning, I set the Angels at a minus 127 on the money line. We'll delay up to a minus 126 with ALS plus 128 or higher taking the shot on the Royals. And I'm willing to take a plus 132 or greater on the run line of the Angels. It's a my total at 9.3. Nine or less looking at the over, nine and a half or higher to the under. With the Angels, you've got Shoei Otani who just continues to dazzle. Entered into yesterday with a home run in six straight games. I'm doing this as the game is going on, so hopefully you can make that seven. But, man, it has been exciting to watch. He's hitting a 300. He has been the MVP of the league. He's minus $3 now to win American League MVP, and I can't say that that's an off-base price. You've got, along with that, guys are able to get on base. They're dealing with an injury to Giro Rochelle, but Mickey Moniak has been able to hit well above a three. Matt Theus is providing a 385 on base. We all know what Mike Trout is doing. Hitting just a 250, but double-figure amount of homers still gives you a 355 on base. Brendan Drury, along with Hunter Renfro, have been able to do a solid job supplying north of 10 home runs apiece. They are both able to give you a batting average between about a 245 to 255, and they go up against the Royals bunch as currently dead last in the big leagues in terms of on base percentage. Nick Prado has been relatively okay in his limited amount of at-bats, hitting about a 280. You've got Bobby Wood Jr. is giving you a double-figure amount of homers, but he's only aiming for about a 287 on base. It's been Salvador Perez who's just had to carry this team. He's given you about a 275 average, 14 home runs. He got a day off yesterday. It seems like he's dealing with a little bit of an ailment. And then you've got so many guys like Nate Eaton, Jackie Bradley Jr., Drew Waters, Freddie Furman, MJ Melendez. Just go down the line of guys hitting a 220 or lower. It's just sad. And for the Royals, this team is in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen area as well. To the credit of Scott Barlow, after a rough start to the season, he's been able to turn around providing a sub-3 ERA over the last 45 days. Roldis Chapman, Taylor Clark, they both have a sub-3 ERA. And Amir Garrett was actually doing okay before he got placed on the injured list. But then you got the likes of Jose Cuas, Myers, who is probably going to be the bulk guy, all providing north of a 4 ERA. And for Myers, I do think that we're going to be seeing a heavy dose of him. He was a part of that St. Louis game where he pitched six scoreless innings. He was very tremendous in that front. And then ever since then, he's won eight innings in his last two appearances, giving up 10 earned runs, 11 runs in total. Has never necessarily been an impressive pitcher, giving up right around four walks per nine. And he doesn't give up the deep ball too much, but he's also not going to give you a lot of swings and misses. And the surprise of the Angels this year, the bullpen has actually been very good for them. Fifth of the league in terms of bullpen area. I do think that this is going to regress a little bit, but Sam Bachman, young kid with the beard, has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA along with Carlos Aceves. Matt Moore being on the injured list hurts. He's been able to supply a sub-2 ERA, but you've been able to have Chris Javinsky find second life with this team as well. So it is a spot where I do think that is set up for Griffin Canning to have a relatively good outing. Griffin Canning has not been great. He's not been terrible. He's not been as good as five and two record, that's for sure. But is ERA at home? 456, 455 on the road. So 
I mean, darn near equal. He has given up a little bit too much of the deep ball, right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but has controlled the walks, giving up fewer than two and a half walks per nine innings. He gets about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So, minus 126 or less, willing to lay with the Angels, plus 128 or higher, looking at the Royals, and nine or less, looking at the over nine and a half or higher to the under. 917, 918 on the main board. We've actually got a pitching matchup as the Chicago White Sox in third faceoff against the Seattle Mariners. Says we got Logan Gilbert down the bump for Seattle, and Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the Southsiders. White Sox are underdogs of anywhere between plus 128 and plus 135, minus 142 to minus 155. Your number on Seattle, 7 half season total, under, over and under, anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. I did set the Mariners minus 158 on the money line. If you look at that run line, you're finding it at a plus 140. I was willing to take a plus 125 or greater. I'm going to be willing to ride with that run line of the Mariners. I recognize it is a little bit dicey because this is a Mariners bunch that is currently in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of batting average. But with Liam Hendricks out of the fold for the Chicago White Sox, I do think that this bullpen is going to regress because without him, they were absolutely terrible. They were in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Overall for the season, they've still been Rather lackadaisical, but if you take a look over the last three days, they are sixth in the league in terms of bullpen area. They've really been able to turn it around. Along with them, they also got Garrett Crochet, a nice long guy, back at the full. But now you're going to be having to rely upon more of these schlubs like Joe Kelly, Reynaldo Lopez, Aaron Bummer, and company. Now, Gregory Santos, along Keenan Middleton, have been relatively solid, but I do fear a little bit of regression with them as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, this team is just consistently one of the best bullpens that you're going to find in the big leagues. Overall, for the season, they're in the top eight with that regard, and they've dealt with their ailments as well. They've been having Penn Murphy be out of the fold for much of the campaign, but now they've got Andres Munoz back, was able to supply a sub-3 ERA last season. You've had a lot of guys step up like a Gabe Spire, Taylor Saucedo, Justin Topa, all being able to give you a sub-345 ERA while Matt Brash has been struggling. And for the Seattle Mariners, even though they don't necessarily hit for the world's greatest average, they are a team that is towards the league average in terms of runs per game because you do have a trio of guys. Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez, I'll give you between 11 and 12 home runs entering into the series. You need a little bit more on base. Ty France is able to provide that, hitting about a 280, about a 350. In terms of his on-base percentage, J.P. Crawford has been able to give you about a 350 on-base. You need to sort out the bottom of the fold. And Eugenio Suarez got unlucky on getting a grand slam rob, but he, Cal Raleigh, A.J. Pollock, along with Taylor Trammell, Colton Wong, these are all guys hitting at 218 or lower. That's a bit of an issue for the Chicago White Sox, the team with the dead last walk rate in the league. They've got a lot of guys that hit for a relatively solid average. They're currently without Yohan Moncada, but he wasn't doing a lot to begin with. But and you've got Andrew Vaughn, along with Andrew Benatendi, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, Jake Berger, all in between about a 247 to a 265. None of these guys are providing north of a 337 on base. You do have Luis Robert and Jake Berger both giving you 16-plus home runs. Andrew Vaughn has provided nine. Nobody else is north of five. So there is a big power outage outside of your big three. So it is a relatively interesting spot. And for Lucas Giolito, he has been far better at home than he has been on the road this season. Now, to the credit of Lucas Giolito, he's been able to tone down the walks a little bit. About 2.7 walks per nine innings. That's not bad for Lucas Giolito. He's still getting about nine and a half punch outs per nine innings. Giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. But 247 home area, 478 ERA on the road. That has been a big concern. Meanwhile, for Logan Gilbert, this has been one of the most unlucky pitchers in all of baseball. If you look at the advanced numbers, Logan Gilbert has been absolutely stunning as he's giving you north of 10 strikeouts for nine innings. 
He's not really giving up any walks with 1.6 walks per nine innings. His fielding independence is a 341. He's got a 438 ERA. I do think that we're going to see a reversal here against a White Sox team that they love to chase bad pitches. So, going to be taking a look at the Mariners on the run line. I did sum my 12 at 7.6 as I do think that they're going to be able to get to Giolito and a little bit of a diminished bullpen. So, looking at the run line of Seattle and taking a look at this little over 919, 920 is going to be the DK Nation write-up pick. The New York Yankees hit the road face-off against the Boston Red Sox. Brian Mayo is on the bump for the Sox and Clark Schmidt is on the bump for the Yankees. 9 to 9 and a half is your total. On the 9, the over is minus 120. The under is even. On the 9 and a half, the under is minus 120. And the over is even. And about a 50 50 divide between 9 and 9 and a half. With the Red Sox, they're between minus 120 to minus 125 favorites. And between plus 105 to plus 112 is your number on the Yankees. I did set the Red Sox at a minus 114. So we'd like to see this come down a little bit more. If you are taking a look at that run line, you're going to be getting it right around a plus 150. I would need a little bit more of a plus price here. So currently I'm in hold off mode with this regard. If we get north of a plus 115 on the Yankees, would certainly be willing to dive in there. And that's where we're closest at at this point. And with the way that the game went on Friday, I do think that I'll probably be able to get north of a plus 115 on the Yankees. But my right to pick here is on the under. Somebody told it an 8.8. So whether you've got a 9 or a 9.5, I do like this total under as I think that you've got two young pitchers that are really coming into their own. Brian Bayo had a little bit of a rough first start of the season, but in each out of his last nine starts has given up three earned runs or fewer in every one of them. And on top of that, you take a look at him over his last eight starts, a 280 ERA, just giving up one home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Clark Schmidt, he had a disastrous first month of the season. Meanwhile, you take a look at his last eight starts, 343 ERA, Lying four home runs across 42 innings in that span, giving up more than three runs in just one out of his last eight starts. So both of these guys have been startling. Now, we did see a little bit of reversal with the run scoring on Friday as these two teams hooked up for a weekend series last week and all three games. None of the teams got past three runs in any of those games as these are a pair of offenses that are scuffling. Now, with the Boston Red Sox, you do want to know. They had a whole heck of a lot better at home than they do on the road. As a matter of fact, they've got bigger home and road splits than the Colorado Rockies do. They're hitting about a 228 on the road. They're hitting north of a 285 at home. You've got so many guys like Justin Turner, Jaron Duran, and company that they fail to hit north of a 230 when they're on the road. They hit well above a 300 at home. But really, the main constant that you've got for the team is Masataka Yoshida, who's been able to give you north of a 375 on base. He's been good at home. He's been good on the road. But you also have a little bit of a power divide as well. Rafael Devers entered into the series with 17 home runs. Prior to uh, Friday, you didn't have a single guy with north of eight home runs. Justin Turner, he was able to hit a pair of home runs yesterday, so he's been able to turn that around a little bit. And then you do have someone like a Pablo Reyes hitting for a 300, and Duvall coming back to the fold should be able to help out this team as well. But I do think that for the Yankees, they are going to be able to do a solid job of being able to support Clark Schmidt as they entered in the series number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. They did have to use up a lot of the bullpen yesterday, but they threw out their guys like Matt Crook and company, not necessarily your reliable bullpen pieces as for the Yankees with their number one bullpen in terms of ERA. It's more of the guys like Clay Holmes, along with Michael King, Wandy Peralta. These are the guys that are giving you a sub-3 ERA. Ron Bandanacchio had a little bit of a rough stretch a few weeks ago. He's been able to pick it up once again. And for the Boston Red Sox, they are number 13 in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. I don't think that they're going to end the season this way, but you know what? You've been able to get some relatively good innings out of someone like a Chris Martin, along with Josh Winkowski. Sub-3 ERAs out of both of these guys. Brendan Bernardino has as well, but it's a little bit of a roll of the dice there. Kenley Jansen, someone that I can never really trust. He has blown a lot of games. It always feels like he blows games at the worst time. If it's a 
don't care game against insert schlub team here. He's going to close it out every time. It's some pressure spots that really do get to him. But all in all, it's a Red Sox team has been okay with that regard. But this Yankees team has really scuffled without Aaron Judge in the fold. Entering into yesterday in their nine games without Aaron Judge ever since he went out of the fold in that Dodgers game. They had scored four runs or fewer in all but two of them as Got a lot of dead bats in this lineup. Anthony Rizzo has not been the same ever since. He had that tie-up with Fernando Tatis Jr. a little bit earlier, but he and Glaber Torres have both been able to give you 11 home runs as far this season, both giving you between about a 330 to a 345 on base. DJ LeMayu has had a rough season, only about a 235, not a lot of power there. And then you have the likes of John Carlos Stanton, Josh Allen, and both returning to the full, both have power, but both are hitting below a 222 along with Oswaldo Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, Anthony Volpe. Got a lot of guys that are just not moving the line for this team, so that is a bit of an issue. I do think that the Yankees are going to get a much better start out of our good friend Clark Schmidt than they did out of Domingo Herman yesterday, so DK Nation right to pick. That is going to be on the under. If we get down to a minus 114 or less, I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Red Sox, plus 115 or higher, which I'm thinking we're getting based on what we saw yesterday. Going to be taking a shot on the Yankees, so a little bit TBD on the side, but my right to pick that is on this total under 921-922 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road faceoff against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele, the man of Steele, goes for the Cubs, and Kyle Gibson is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115 underdog. Between minus 120 to minus 130 is your number on the Cubs. No total up on this game. It is a regularly field game, so wind is going to be determining that. Seeing a lot of directional wind at about 8 or so miles per hour. Might be blowing in just a little bit towards the beginning part of this game, but it really shouldn't affect the game overly much, so... I did as a result of my total at 8.3. In 8 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over 8.5 prior to the under. And I did set the Man of Steel at a minus 127 for Justin Steele. He's been out of the fold for a few weeks. Last time he started was May 31st. Really didn't make any sort of like rehab starts or anything like that. Just a little bit of a tune-up, things like that. And I mean, he's been solid throughout the entirety of the season. You can tell that prior to him hitting the injured list, he was wearing down a little bit. But I mean, he's been terrific. He's given up two home runs in 68 innings. His walks per nine rate is hardly above two. Not a guy that's going to give you a whole bunch of swings and misses right around 7.6, 7.7 strikeouts per nine innings, but he's been really along Marcus Stroman, the best starters for the Chicago Cubs thus far this season. Meanwhile, for Kyle Gibson, he does struggle a little bit home to road. He has throughout his career. It hasn't been as bad this year. 353 home ERA, 418 ERA on the road, and he's really been able to contain the deep ball this year. Seven home runs at 83 innings. Kyle Gibson is typically just giving up a big giant gong show as he gives up a whole bunch of home runs, but he's been able to do a much better job thus far this season, but for Gibson, you always have to fear a little bit of regression with him. He's been a tad bit trustworthy throughout his career as he's been giving up right around 2.8 walks per nine innings. He only gets right around six half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's backed up by a lineup that is getting right around 5.2 to 5.3 runs per game on the road. They are dealing with an injury to Ryan Mountcastle, who leads the team in home runs with 11, but how about this balance power? As right now, you've got seven different guys outside of Mountcastle with between eight and 10 home runs as far this season, including the gunner, Gunnar Henderson, who has been absolutely magnificent recently over the last three days. 325 average, being able to slug out six home runs at 77 at bats. His renaissance has been big for the team. Ellie Rushman is able to give you a 390 on base. He slugged out nine bombs. You've been able to have Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes, both give you between eight and nine home runs, between a 335 to a 350 on base out of them. Cedric Mullins, Ori Mateo, combined 33 stolen bases. So you've got a very good, well-balanced lineup. Meanwhile, you got a Chicago Cubs team that it has been rough for their offense. If you take a look ever since May 1st, this team has been towards the bottom of the big leagues in terms of just generating offense, in terms of runs per game. 
It has been a very sad situation for them as you still have a lot of guys that have been able to do a solid job of being able to move the line. Nico Horner is hitting about a 285 in terms of on-base percentage. Ian App hovering right around about a 395. Christopher Morrell, Dansby Swanson, about a 350 to a 355 on base. But I know that the Patrick Wisdom and Christopher Morrell combined 26 home runs out of these two gentlemen. You really don't have anyone that gives you north of seven. So that's been a big hang-up for the team. And just the overall average has completely declined since the beginning of the month of May. The team is sitting at 229 as a collective. So... Yeah, that has been a little bit less than savory, and I do think that it's going to be able to turn around for them a little bit, but you tell that things are going down the tubes, and then on top of that, you've got a bullpen area that's currently 25th in the big leagues. Julian Merriweather has picked it up a little bit. You've got Mark Leiter Jr. along with Abbeer Alzelay, both being able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA, but Michael Former north of a 5 ERA. Michael Rucker has just been getting completely destroyed. You've got a lot of less than trustworthy bullpen pieces and for the Orioles. They might have the most top-heavy bullpen I've ever seen because you've got Yanir Cano along with Felix Batista, both giving you a sub-buck-20 ERA. But past that, Mike Bauman has been giving you a right around about a 4 ERA. Danny Columbia has a 3 ERA, but he's been a little bit hot and cold recently, and he's been dealing with injury. Cino Perez has not necessarily been too terrific, so it's a little bit of an interesting spot. I'm going to trust in the Man of Seal here. One delay up to a minus 126 with the Cubs. And with regards to the total, 8 or less looking at the over, 8 and a half or higher to the under, 923, 924 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. They hit the road. They're facing off against the Oakland A's. As James Caprillion is going to be on the bump for the A's, and it is good old to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. So this is a game that's presently off the board. Right now, if you're taking a look on DraftKings, they are representing that it is going to be Christopher Sanchez that gets a start. And if you are getting Christopher Sanchez, I'd be setting the Phillies as a minus 185 favorite would be willing to lay up to a minus 124 with regards to that run line. And a nine or less, I'd be taking a look at the over nine and a half higher to the under. I'm currently seeing an initial number at DraftKings and DraftKings has this minus 170 on the Phillies. The run line is even money and total is at nine with the over at a minus 105. The under is at a minus 115. So I'd be looking at the over and I'd be looking at that Phillies run line with Christopher Sanchez. I don't think that he's going to be anything more than like an opener de jour. I think that he gives you about three or so innings as Christopher Sanchez. He got a few starts last season, but by trade has been mostly coming out of the bullpen throughout his career. They've had him down at the minor leagues for quite some time, and he's just, in general, been dealing with a whole bunch of ailments. So it's been a little bit up and down with him as at the minor league level this far this season. He's been able to get about eight strikeouts per nine innings. Has lacked a little bit of command, but gets to go up against an Oakland A's team that at home this far this season, entering into yesterday, we're hitting a 208 as a collective. With Oakland, they just hit far worse at home than they do on the road, which is why I do think that when it's all said and done, Oakland might have more wins on the road rather than at home because this is such a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Brett Rooker has been able to give you 13 home runs this far this season with a 360 on base, and Ryan Noda has been able to give you north of a 400 on base as well, but I really don't have a lot of offense with this team as Terry Ruiz has been able to give you 33 stolen bases. I believe that leads the leg, and, and you've got a couple of solid bats, but it's just very top-heavy. Likes of LMNDCS. Nick Allen, Seth Brown, Tony Kemp, J.J. Blade, these guys hitting for a 215 or lower, and other than Blade, nobody with north of a 278 on base, just completely killing the team. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, this team has done a really good job of being able to hit on the road. As a matter of fact, 
if you take a look at road batting average, they're right there at the top of the National League as you've got a lot of guys that they move the line, but they don't have a lot of power. Kyle Schwarber has been able to give you 18 home runs thus far this season. Really the only guy that has been able to give you north of eight home runs. Now, Nick Cassianos having a 316 entering into yesterday. That's rock solid. Bryce Harper is giving you a 390 on base, but he's hit just three home runs in 142 at-bats. You expect a little bit more there, but you've got the likes of Umando Sosa, JT Riamito, Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh that are all in between about a 255 to 270. And Trey Turner, he's starting to find it a little bit more, but you'd like to see a tad bit more out of him as well for the Phillies. It's been a league average bullpen. It hasn't been great. It hasn't been terrible. I know that a lot of people want me to stop ragging on Craig Kimbrell and why I hate him so much. I don't hate him. I just hate the fact that he burns people's money. He's been a little bit better recently, but and he still has not been trustworthy really since the 2018 World Series. So it's been quite some time since he has been a actually decent arm, but you do have the likes of Jeff Hoffman, Andrew Vasquez, Jose Alvarado in the bullpen, giving you a sub-3 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, they performed better in the bullpen recently, but... Man, this team is dead last in the league in terms of bullpen area. You've got a pair of guys from Richard Lovelady along with Sammy Long that'll be able to do a solid job supplying a sub-4 ERA. Lucas Ursich has been able to do a solid job as well, but then you get the, to the guys like Ken Waldachuk, Shintaro Fujinami and company. It's not great. And I will say for James Caprillion, he's been better recently. Caprillion has now given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts and four out of his last five. But all in all, you take a look at the numbers. This guy is getting fewer than eight straight guys per nine innings. His walks per nine innings is hovering right around six. He's given up about 1.5 home runs per nine innings. He has been posting up in the area of a 668 at home. Just not terrific. And I do think that the Phillies should be able to get to him. So here at a nine, looking at the over. And with the Phillies, one lay up to a minus 124 on that run line. 925, 926 on the main board. The Cincinnati Reds are on the road facing off against the Houston Astros. Brandon Belock is going for the Astros. Hunter Green is on the bump for Cincinnati. Eight and a half is your total. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Houston's between minus 125 to minus 135 favorites. Between plus 112 and plus 118 is your number on Cincinnati. I have been bullish on Cincinnati recently. I think that this is just a little bit too much love. I did set the Astros at a minus 172. I'm willing to take them on the money line. I recognize that B-Lock has not been like some sort of a stunner or anything like that, but he's been a relatively okay hold down the fourth starter that is able to do its all job of being able to get some swings and misses. Overall for the season, B-Lock giving you about seven and a half strikeouts to three walks per nine innings. He does certainly give up some contact, but he's been able to supply about a four-inch ERA fielding independent indicates that there's going to be a little bit of regression, but three runs are fewer surrendered, and now four out of his last six appearances. Meanwhile, you've got Hunter Green that he's done a good job when he's been on the road. With Hunter Green, it just feels like Great American Ballpark is not built for him because he gives up all sorts of long balls, and that's indicative with regards to his home and road splits. This far the season at home, he's posting up a 518 ERA, more like a 335 on the road, and it's all due to the deep ball, giving up two home runs and 43 innings away from home, six bombs and 24 in the third innings when he has been at home. I still have a few question marks with Hunter Green. This does feel like a little bit too much love for him going up against an Astros lineup that they're dealing with the injury to Jordan Alvarez. That does hurt them, but Jose Altuve feels like he's starting to get back in the fold. He's been able to provide north of a 360 on base. Alex Bregman has been hitting closer to about a 285-290 over the last three days. Jeremy Pena, I think, is going to be able to pick it up. Just eight home runs, about a 250 average for him, but you do have Mauricio Dubon at the leadoff spot hitting nearly a 300. Kyle Tucker, nine bombs, 355 on base. You've got some relatively solid balance with regards to this Astros lineup, and on top of that, you've got an Astros bullpen that is in the top five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. You need Ryan Presley to not commit throwing errors, but all in all, he's been okay at the closer spot. The big three for this team, though, Brian Abreu, Hector Neris, Phil Maton, they are all supplying a sub-three ERA. 
Matt Gage, when he's been thrown out there, has been able to give you some good innings as well. And for the Cincinnati Reds, to their credit, Alexis Diaz, he's one of the better relievers that you're going to find in the big leagues. Buck Farmer has been able to supply a sub-3-3 ERA along with Lucas Sims and Alex Young. So these guys have done a nice job, but for the Reds, you do want to see them provide a little bit more power. Ellie De La Cruz is absolutely magnificent. He is going to be a mainstay in this league. He is a guy that you really want to build a franchise around. And you've got a Reds team that entered in the week, actually number one in terms of on-base percentage on the road, as you've got a lot of guys like Jonathan India, Spencer Steer, Jake Fraley, all give you between about a 350 to a 365 on-base. Fraley has been in and out of the fold. I think that he's probably going to get placed on the injury list sooner rather than later. But Matt McClain, TJ Friedel, both of these guys have been able to hit north of a 300 thus far this season as well. You just need those power bats. You don't have a single guy that's been able to give you double-figure amount of homers for the Reds say in the Washington Nationals. Dead last in the National League in terms of total home runs. I do think that B-Lock is going to be able to hold down the fort and do just enough to get the Houston Astros a victory. I did set the Astros. We're on a minus 172 on the money line. Don't really want to take the run lines. I do think that this is going to be a moderate scoring game. I said I told it at 8.6. I do think that the Astros get to green. I do think that the Reds get to B-Lock with sort of a death by a million cut situation, but Astros bullpen gets it done. Looking at the over and looking at the Astros on the money line. 927-928 on the main board. The Salam Diego Padres play Let's see Tampa Bay Rays. Got Zach Eflin going for the Rays and Blake Snell is on the bump for the Pods. The Padres, very slight underdogs. You're finding them anywhere between minus 106 to plus 105. Meanwhile, you're going to be getting the Rays anywhere between minus 107 to minus 115. Eight is your total. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. Under is any between even a minus 110. What's willing to lay up to a minus 124 with the Rays. I know that the Rays offense has not been quite the same recently as it was towards the beginning part of the season, but this is still a Rays team that's in the top three in the big leagues in terms of batting average, on-base percentage, home runs, and total runs per game. As you've got the duo of Randy Arozarena, Yandy Diaz, both with 12 home runs, both with north of a 400 base entering into yesterday. Harold Ramirez hitting above a 300, nine home runs. You just don't have a lot of breaks when it comes to this Tampa Bay Rays lineup going up against the San Diego Padres team that they continue to be dead last in the National League in terms of batting average. Now, Gary Sanchez has been able to give this team a nice shot in the arm. He's been able to give them six home runs over the course of 50 or so at bats, hitting for about a 235, but that's better than what the Padres are doing as a collective. They're hitting a 229, as you've had a lot of guys just not come up big for this team. Rodad Odor, Jake Cronenworth. Catchers not named Gary Sanchez, which that's most of them. Trent Grisham, Matt Carpenter, they're all hitting a 220 or lower. Manny Machado has returned to the fold, and ever since Manny Machado has returned from injury, he's been able to move the line, not necessarily providing a ton of thumping power, but you know what? Hitting about a 320 since he's come back, that's something that you do like to see. Fernando Tatis Jr., he's been on a tear recently. You've got Juan Soto supplying a double-digit amount of formers north of a 405 on base, but for Tatis Jr., entering into yesterday, Five home runs in the last 15 days, hitting a 400 in that time span. That's going to be able to turn things around a little bit, but I just still can't get past the fact that the San Diego Padres, with runners in scoring position as a collective, are earning a buck 99 this season. They are not going to end this way, but when does it turn around? That's when you've got to just ask that question, and a little bit of a roll of the dice there, as you do have a Tampa Bay Rays team that they have been scuffling a little bit with their bullpen, and for Zach Eflin, he's been pretty Eflin good at home. He's been pretty Eflin awful on the road. Buck 85 home ERA, 553 ERA 
on the road, giving up five bombs in 27 and two-thirds innings away from home, three bombs in 43 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home. Now, the one thing with Zach Eflin, he's not going to give out any cheapies. Only about one and a half walks per nine innings. He gets a little bit north of nine punch-outs per nine innings. Has probably been a little bit unlucky on the road thus far this season, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, you still have the likes of Colin Poucher, Jason Adams doing a solid job in that bullpen. Pete Fairbanks is still one of the better closers that you're going to find in the big leagues. I do think that the Rays are going to be able to turn around a little bit more with their bullpen now that they've got Tyler Glass now back in the rotation to be able to help mitigate some of the innings that the Rays have taken on. So it is a circumstance where I did set this at a minus 124 as I do think that they are going to get to Blake Snell. The big thing with Blake Snell is that the command is always off with this guy, and that's the big concern. With Blake Snell, he's still giving out right around four and a half to five walks per nine innings. Strikeout numbers are still terrific. Blake Snell has been able to give you north of ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and recently, Blake Snell has been a whole lot better. Last two starts gave up just one run across 13 innings over his last five starts. He has given up a combined eight runs over the course of 28 innings. So the walks still high, but he's been able to mitigate them just a little bit. But I do think that the Rays get to him. From there, you do have a Padre team that is number one in terms of bullpen area. We're starting to see a little bit of a reversal, but we've had a lot of guys be terrific for this team. Tom Cosgrove not being with the team anymore, that's a little bit rough, but you still have Steven Wilson, Tim Hill, guys that are able to get the ball to Josh Hader, providing a sub-3-5 ERA. Nick Martinez is in that fold as well, and then we all know what Josh Hader is able to do from there, but it is a circumstance where set the race at a minus 124, one ride with them on the money line. Did set my total at an 8.3, so I'm also going to be taking a look at a sneaky over because I do think that the walks are going to doom Blake Sell, and we have things up with 929, 930 on the Bangboard. The Arizona Diamondbacks play also the Cleveland Guardians as you've got Shane Bieber on the bump for the Guardians, and Tommy Henry is on the bump for Arizona, and Arizona is a underdog of anywhere between plus 110 to plus 120. Meanwhile, in between minus 130 to minus 140, the price on the Guardians, 8.5 is the total over is minus 120. The under is even. It's up by total at 9.1. I am going to be taking a look at this total over with the Guardians. Can we set them at a minus 122 on the money line? I'm thinking that we're going to get a plus 125 when it's all said and done on Arizona, and that would be my buy point on them. Anything really north of a plus 122, I'm willing to take on them. For Shane Bieber, this is just not the Cy Young Award winner that we've seen of past years. As for Bieber, the 329 ERA and the 5-3 and record isn't bad, but he had 14.2 strikeouts and 5.4 hits per nine innings allowed when he won the Cy Young Award. He's down to six and a half strikeouts per nine innings this year. His walks per nine rate are, is the same as when he won that Cy Young Award, but 383 fielding independent. He is in a scenario where I do think that he's going to get quite a bit tattooed in this spot against an Arizona Diamondbacks team that they are right there at the top in terms of National League batting average. The only team that's hitting better at home than the Arizona Diamondbacks is the Colorado Rockies for obvious reasons, and you've got a quadrant of guys who have been able to give you a double-figure amount of homers for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ketel Marte, Lourdes Gurriel, Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker. Walker is the only of these guys that is hitting below a 283. Do I think there might be a little bit of regression with someone like an Emmanuel Rivera hitting a 330, Geraldo Perdomo providing a forearm base? Yes, but this is a very good offense. Meanwhile, for the Cleveland Guardians, dead last in the big leagues in terms of home runs. You've been able to get a little bit more out of Jose Ramirez, a couple of Josh Naylor, combined 18 home runs. Uh, these two gentlemen, both are now hitting above a 285 entering into the game yesterday. So a little bit of credit where credit is due, but big reason why the Guardians were able to overcome just a lack of home runs last season to be able to make the playoffs is that you have the likes of Ahmed Rosario, Andre Jimenez, Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, all be able to north of 270, 
All four of these guys are in a 253 or lower entering into yesterday. And Gonzalez is so bad he hasn't been with the big league team in quite some time. You've gotten absolutely nothing out of the catcher spot as well. Now, working in favor of the Cleveland Guardians, they are number two in terms of bullpen area. They're currently without James Karinczak in. They had to throw sort of a bullpen game yesterday with Tuki Dusan getting the call up. But you've got so many guys like in Aniel De Los Santos, Nick Samlin, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Class A, Xavion Curry. You just go down the list of guys supplying a sub-3-2 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, this has been a relatively league-average bullpen ERA with them being more in the top 10 over the last three days as you get Joe Mantiply back from injury. You've been able to have a trio of guys in Andrew Chafin, Austin Adams, throw in there Kyle Nelson, providing a sub-3-3 ERA. Scott McGough has been relatively solid as well. And for Tommy Henry, the big thing is being able to get a little bit more swing and miss. Against the Cleveland Guardians team that they don't strike out a lot, that's not as much of a concern, but he's gotten five-plus strikeouts and now three out of his last four starts, which that's a very encouraging sign from. He has been giving up the deep ball quite a bit, giving up about 1.6 home runs per nine innings. And he does have north of a five fielding independent compared to his 486 ERA, but it's been much better at home. 360 home ERA, 675 ERA on the road has been able to do a better job recently of cutting down on a few of those walks as well. So at a plus 120 tour grader, I'm going to be willing to ride with the years and the Diamondbacks. Semi-total 9.1, so also looking at the over, and that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to Jared Smith. Does great work here at VEASAN. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be I'll fire this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual please do send these into the timeline and the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.